Hello everyone, you're listening to J Movie Talk, episode 125, as I'll be talking Jaws. Give me your hands. Dogfish? You got a $5,000 net, you got $2,000 worth of fishing, and along comes Mr. Whitey. By the time he's finished with that net, looks like a kiddie scissor class has cut it up for a paper doll. You got city hands, Mr. Hooper. You've been counting money all your life. All right, all right, hey, I don't need this. I don't need this working class hero crap. You, you, you're not going to do this aboard the ship, are you, Mr. Quinn? Maybe I should go alone. All right, everybody, I'm back for another episode. Uh, kind of took a break um, away from the whole movies that Keita has never seen before series uh, because of the fact that Keita had to take some time away from doing podcasting because of uh, some personal reasons. So we'll probably resume that when she comes back to doing actual podcasts and everything like that um and everything but um for the month of july uh i decided to basically dedicate it to jaws because i mean it is the summer blockbuster movie that kind of started everything as far as summer blockbusters and look at where we are now 40 plus years later because of this one movie um so basically with this episode too is that i'm not gonna actually review jaws you know like scenes and stuff like that i'll talk about the movie but not like i normally do movie reviews because jaws is one of those movies that has been talked about countlessly by other podcasters and you know there's documentaries there's you know a whole lot of things you know that that can be said about jaws probably has already said but i'm gonna put my own twist if you will, on talking about the movie Jaws. So, um, before I actually get started, I just want to talk about um, Steven Spielberg. I mean, this was his second theatrical film. Um, he had done some TV movies, some TV shows um, before this. And the year before uh, Jaws 1975 came out, he did a movie called Sugarland Express that starred Goldie Hawn, which... I still want to see. I just want to see this movie just to see how it is or whatnot. Um, I've seen like bits and pieces of it when I watched Spielberg's uh, documentary on HBO, but um, that was like his first like theatrical release film. And then a year later, he gets this Jaws movie or whatnot. And we know we know all about the behind the scenes, you know, making of trouble shoot that this was, and how the movie even got made. It still looked like a a fascinating tale in itself that the movie was actually even made but um one thing about steven spielberg is that we know what he went on to accomplish years later after you know with jaws and afterwards and everything but back in 1975 he was still this young guy who people didn't really you know know too much about um and everything so it was kind of interesting for a new filmmaker at that time to kind of get this movie thrown upon him is it i could almost compare it as far as in today's time be um ryan cooler with um black panther would that be in his like third feature film and we know what he did before that with fruitvale station and the first creed film and then he gets this big budget you know tentpole movie that's a part of the mcu and he basically knocks it out of the park i could almost equate that to similar to what spielberg did with jaws in a sense um so 
uh, real quick, just want to go through the, the cast of the movie and everything for anyone who doesn't know who was in this movie. So you have uh, Roy Scheider as Chief Brody, uh, Robert Shaw as Quint, Richard Dreyfus as... This is Matt Hooper. I know who he is. Um, Lorraine Gray as Ellen Brody, uh, Murray Hamilton as a uh, douchebag mayor, uh, Mayor Vaughn. And, I mean, those are pretty much like your name. I mean, there are a lot of other people that's in this movie, but none of them really, you know, have, like, I would say, like, prominent roles in the film after you get past, you know, um, those characters or whatnot. But, um, so, one of the things that I want to discuss here is about the fact that this was, like, the first summer blockbuster because it's funny like how nowadays you know movies that get released in the summer are looked at as you know the big ones and everything but years ago um at least around the time when this movie came out the summer movies was the dumping ground for movies whereas now like january and everything january february the dumping grounds for movies that they don't think are really going to do anything back then it was the summertime so in a way, Spielberg kind of helped change that in the sense that, you know, summertime is the best time because, you know, the kids are out of school, people on vacation. Let's send them to the movies. You know, they can go to the movies and watch some good movies and everything, especially now, especially with it being hot as hell in certain places. Um, and everything. The movie theater would actually be a good place to go during the summer and everything. So... Um, this is looked at as the very first summer blockbuster movie, the movie that, you know, that kind of ch- shook up the world in the sense as far as how we looked at movies and, and everything like that. So I always liked it, that fact that, you know, Spielberg was kind of ahead of his time in the sense of, you know, looking ahead into the future, like, hmm, how can we market this and everything? And the fact that the movie itself takes place in the summer, it revolves around a beach community and everything. So right there, it it's a win-win in, in a sense um this movie has a few um interesting death scenes um and it uh three in particular um of course the girl from the opening um when she goes out swimming you know her her and the dude was supposed to go out um skinny dipping in the ocean and whatnot and he ends up passed out on the beach and she you know, she continues out and goes swimming, and then she gets attacked by the shark, and just that violent um, thrashing about it, her screaming. Never seen again. For them to open the movie, like you know, like that, it it grabs your attention, and especially if you if you hadn't seen the trailer for the movie, and I'm talking about looking at it through 1975 eyes. If you didn't see the trailer for it, you didn't know what the hell necessarily attacked her i mean yeah we know you know what it is it's a shark and everything like that but we don't get a grand scope because we don't see the shark um and everything we just see the violent attack from her and and the girl that does the acting in that scene she just knocks it out the park because you really feel that this person is being literally eaten and we don't know what's going on under the water with her body we just know from her um you know acting like in the water and everything um the next death um that that's kind of you know very prominent and memorable from this movie is when the little boy alice kittner is attacked on the beach in broad daylight um with all the other people in the water and just how that scene kind of 
the tension kind of builds up because you got Chief Brody, you know, that's on the beach with his family. He knows about the fact that this girl had been attacked and everything. He knows it's a shark attack, even though uh, Douchebag Mayor, which I'm, I'm going to say that a few times throughout this episode, Douchebag Mayor, him and his uh, cronies or whatnot, you know, like, oh, no, no, it wasn't a shark attack. It was, you know, maybe it was a boat propeller or something like this. You know, things happen. The beaches, you know, will be open, you know, for this 4th of July weekend or whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And everything. He doesn't care about anybody. You know, he just care about lying in his pockets or whatnot. But, um, you know, they're all on the beach. And just the tension that kind of builds with that scene with the boy that's playing with his dog and everything on the water. And, you know, people just having a good time. No one's thinking about a shark attack actually happened. But as that scene plays out, you start to notice, like, little things like the fact that the dog goes missing. So, clearly, the shark ate the dog or whatnot but we don't see it we just know the dog disappears and the boy's looking around for his dog and you know and everything he's calling his name and as the kids out there swimming we get the pov shot of the shark as it swims up on alex kittner who's out on his little raft and then it attacks him and we just it's like the first time you see the shark but you still don't see the shark that good as it attacks him and and everything and blood fills up the water and everything like that the kids jump out of the water and then it's like based off of that, that's when everybody's like, oh, yeah, there's actually a shark in the water, you know, type of thing. But even then, they still don't take it too, too seriously, even though this kid has literally been eaten, you know, right in front of everybody's eyes that was on that beach. And once again, douchebag mayor still doesn't take it too, too seriously or whatnot. Um, you know, it's just an inconvenience to the bigger scheme of the 4th of July weekend. And then for me, the last one is... Quint's death um, when the shark jumps into the orca and and basically you know is trying to attack them and Quint falls down and he slides down into the shark's mouth and you know he starts spitting up blood and basically gets eaten and then is taken underwater. Now the reason why for me Quint's death is, has always stood out to me is because when I was a kid and they would always show Jaws on regular network television and this is back when they used to like chop the hell out of certain movies a lot. You know, there were cutscenes, and if you had never seen the movie before, you would think that what you're seeing on TV is, you know, how it was probably seen, you know, at the movie theater, especially as a kid. So, as a kid watching it, when that scene plays out, it was always where, you know, Quint goes slide down to the shark's mouth, he's kicking his feet and everything, trying not to go inside the shark's mouth, and then it's always where he ends up in the shark's mouth, the shark crunches down, he screams, and then the next shot is when he's being taken underwater. Now, that's how I would always see it on TV. It wasn't until I actually bought the DVD for it and I watched it. And when it shows that scene, and I was sitting there in amazement because I hadn't seen the part where he's actually, you know, being thrashed about. You know, he's in the shark's mouth and he's screaming for his life. And then he spits up the blood as the shark crunches down even more and then he's taken under and everything and it's just the fact that the movie is rated pg and you know this is before the time of pg-13 which spielberg helped usher in that whole thing in the you know early 80s or whatnot but the fact that this movie has a pg rating um just parental guidance you know whatnot and when you look back at it, it's like if they went back and re, um, 
rated the movie would it still be pg or would it get a pg-13 rated because like i say you have the violent deaths in the movie and everything especially quince alone i mean would give it a pg-13 rating um i think but they never went back and re-rated the movie or anything like that um but just his death scene has always been one that kind of sticks out to me because it's and it's just one of those like i said just sticks with me or whatnot um now one of the biggest things about jaws over the years has always been is it a horror movie um and i know some people say well it's a it's an action movie it's an adventure movie is is this is that it's a thriller blah 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 well it's a it's, it's all of above really because it has a little bit of everything in it um spielberg he does a very good job of like the very tense moments and everything um and with that you feel it uh, the action adventure when um brody hooper and quint are on the orca and they're chasing the shark and they <clears throat> they are um you know chasing shark down it is like a adventure movie you got three guys that's on a on an adventure even though they're going to kill the shark but it's still an adventure and everything uh there's some action moments with the whole shooting and things of that nature and the horror moments is you know you know sprinkled out in in the movie as well especially one of the big scenes is when hooper goes down in the water um when it's just him and brody and they're looking and they find a uh, ben gardner's boat and they go down and hooper comes across tooth and then out pops a uh, ben gardner's head or whatnot that's a horror moment or when or when hooper's um in the shark cage going down to try to uh, shoot um you know pierce the shark's mouth or whatnot and he's down there he get he kind of you know gets his sight you know under the murky water and then out of the shadows the shark is coming and swims past him and everything down there then when it attacks him in the shark cage those are horror moments there are horror moments in this movie movie is a is a horror movie but it also is everything under the sun it even has some comedic moments throughout it too so it has some comedy it has a bit of everything but is it a straight up horror movie I wouldn't say it's a straight up horror movie, but it has a little bit of everything in it. Um, and then too, uh, what we've always known about the fact that the shark didn't work properly during filming, which worked in Spielberg's favor as a blessing in disguise, because I think if the shark had been working properly, we would have seen the shark a lot sooner than we actually actually get a good glimpse of it. Um and because the first time that you actually see the shark like a good shot of the shark is when um when michael um and his friends are out on the little boat and everything and they're kind of having problems and this dude comes out of nowhere talks about you kids okay and everything like this and he's trying to tell them like how to tie a line and everything like this and the shark bumps his boat knocks him out of the water and knocks the kids out of the water and when he's trying to swim up onto his boat we get that overhead shot of the shark you know with his mouth open as it's coming towards him and then it grabs him pulls him under that's the first time in the movie that you actually see like a good shot of the shark and i think if the shark had been working like how it's supposed to have been working before that we probably would have seen the shark when it attacked the girl in the opening scene we probably would have seen it but through that spielberg you know decides to use pov shots and use the uh, water barrels and everything as like stand-ins for the shark in a lot of scenes and it actually works it adds the tension because even though the, the barrels is supposed to be representation of the shark but 
where exactly is a shark in relation to where the water barrel is kind of adds even more suspense to it too um and everything so uh, that's one thing i always liked about is that he you know was very you know he, he was very thought provoking um he he adapted to the situation that he was you know given with the fact that the shark didn't work right um another thing for me um is robert shaw um who is my i'll just go ahead and say it now won't even have to wait to the end of the episode to say who my favorite character is is i mean i think everyone's favorite character is robert shaw's quint um he, he does a damn good job in this movie um just how he just comes in i mean his first scene in the movie in the movie in the theatrical release at least is where he's um where he's you know he shows up at the uh, meeting when they're talking about how you know how they're gonna go after the shark and everything he scratches across the board and he gives that speech about you know he'll go after the shark for three but he'll catch and kill it for ten and you know and everything like that and just how he just comes in and he he he's a force in this movie and it's it just Robert Shaw at his best and unfortunately he he passed away you know a few years after this movie came out but it, it, this is his like defining you know acting moment he was born to play quint and and of course when he gives that indianapolis speech when him and hooper and brody are you know sitting around talking and drinking and everything and how he's drunk for most of it but then he sobers up real quick and as he tells the story about when he you know about them delivering the bomb and him being in the water and everything that's why he had never wear a life jacket again and all that type of stuff robert shaw's acting in that scene is probably some like some, some of the best that you'd ever see in any movie and the fact that in real life during the making of the movie that robert shaw was actually you know he was an alcoholic during this time and there are a few shots of the scene because from the way the story goes is that the the first time they do the take he's clearly you know intoxicated he's drunk or whatnot and and everything and he was even embarrassed about it so he made sure he sobered up and then he comes back and they do the shot again the next day and he you know just delivers that speech and there's some scenes in the movie where you can see where he's um if you look at his eyes the, his eyes really are bloodshot so i guess they did use some takes of him when he was like really drunk when he's talking or whatnot so he, he gives that speech and everything like that and like i said it's one of the best speeches and scenes and me and how he was not nominated or won an oscar for that i to this day i still never know but um he should have been in my opinion um so one of the one of the things about this movie and in recent years i like the fact that it's kind of become like a running type of thing is that there's always there's kind of been jokes and references to mayor vaughn about how he's you know the mayor and how he doesn't care about anything and everything like this, and especially with the whole thing with politics right now that's been going on, he's looked at as a prime example of, of like bad, you know, political figures. And I'm pleased and happy to repeat the news that we have in fact caught and killed a large predator that supposedly injured some bathers. But as you see, it's a beautiful day, the beaches are open, and the people are having a wonderful time. Amity, as you know, means friendship how they only care about you know money and everything like this but he is a piece of trash in this movie and but it what's funny about it is that even though you hate his character but 
you enjoy some of the stuff because it's like the lunacy in his way of thinking just doesn't make any sense i know in the book um it's reference to that he he and some of the other people um in the town or like mixed up with the mob and stuff like this so that kind of makes sense of why he wants to keep the beaches open and everything like this because it's just all about the money but with that subplot not being a part of the movie it's just the fact that he doesn't care about you know human life or anything like that he's just all worried about the town making money and everything you know they need summer dollars and this that and the other and it just how he acts and then he doesn't really want to do anything until he realized like my son was on that was my son was there too and it's like well hell other people kids was there too alice kittner was killed and you didn't care but now all of a sudden you care because your son was was you know almost attacked or something like that um so one of another thing that is very interesting about this movie is um quince uh as i like to refer to it quince uh descent into madness as they're out chasing the shark you know when it's just the three guys and everything and his descent into madness and it always makes me wonder did quint have like a death wish and that's why you know because of what happened in world war ii um and everything with him did he have like a death wish and this was like an opportunity for him to kind of go out in a blaze of glory in a sense which he kind of does but at the same time he doesn't um but uh, because of the fact that he thinks he's smarter than the shark but then when the smart when the smart when the shark um basically outwits him to some degree it, it confuses him but at the same time it's like he basically wants this shark and either he's gonna either the shark's gonna win he's gonna win or nobody's gonna win and that's kind of the mentality that he starts to have as you know that shark is leading him out to sea further and they and Hooper and Brody even comment on like, well, you know, he's leading us way, way out here, and like, so we end up out here, get lost, and next thing you know, they trapped out there, because the orca was not like the the best boat in the world. I mean, it was it was basically a little fishing boat, and then you want to put stress on the ship, and then it's getting attacked by the shark, it just made it even worse. Um, but Quint's descent into madness overall it just kind of adds to his performance and I know in the book once again going to the book here um he was basically like a Captain Ahab type and in the book he also dies similar to like Ahab he gets tangled up in the ropes and gets dragged underwater but I think his death in the movie is a lot better than you know them doing the, the Captain Ahab death of him getting dragged underwater and drowning and everything um so kind of staying with the whole book versus movie thing like i said i mentioned earlier about the whole mafia ties with with douchebag mayor and everything of course uh quint's death being different and everything but i think the biggest thing that gets left out of the movie um is the relationship that forms between hooper and ellen brody and they actually do have an affair or whatnot and also too um hooper he dies in the book um you know he dies and i always like to say that because of the fact that spielberg takes that um they take that subplot out of the out of the movie that's the reason why hooper lives because 
technically Hooper is not the greatest person in the world. He is a arrogant little little, little squirt, squirt or whatnot as a Hooper. No, not as Hooper, but as as Quint refers to him as squirt. You know, he is an arrogant something. And he thinks he knows everything, and you know, even him and Brody get into it on the boat. Um, whatnot, and Hooper just kind of gets into it with everybody, really, because he's just this arrogant little man and everything. But that whole subplot of him, you know, um, having an affair with Brody's wife and everything like that, and then he dies, you know, whatnot. And, Bro- and Brody is actually the only one who lives. I think um, that that would have been a little bit more interesting if they would have went that route. But like I say, because they take that subplot out, that's the reason why Hooper. You know lives in the end so there are some like things that they leave out of the movie that was in the book that kind of would be interesting if it played out like in the in the actual movie but i understood why they took it out and don't have a problem with it or whatnot so um and the last thing that i end with this here is that <sighs> jaws in my opinion is one of those movies that should never be remade it's, it's part of the holy holy grail of films that should never be remade similar to like the godfather and a couple other movies um that should never be remade um jaws is one of those movies but if it did get remade they probably would just ruin the hell out of it um we see we see the shark way too much and everything like that and it wouldn't have the same you know uh impact that the original had and plus, I don't think any of Spielberg's movies will ever be touched until he's, you know, passed away or whatnot. That, that's how I see it, at least, that he probably has like a deal saying that none of my movies can be touched until I'm gone because I don't want to see it or whatnot. You will not ruin my films. That's my terrible Steven Spielberg impersonation. But, um, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of how I've always had that thought process about... Um, you know Spielberg and his films and Jaws. Jaws should never be remade or anything because you can't remake what this movie was. So um, that's pretty much it for me for this episode. Uh, if I had to give the movie a rating, of course I give it a five out of five stars. I mean the movie is, like I said, it's, a, it's just it's one of those rare, near perfect, if not perfect movies. So it, it, I mean it's a five five out of five for me. And like I already mentioned, that Quint is my favorite character for this movie. Um, like I said, I wasn't going to talk about the, this movie, at least in depth, like I probably would do with part two and part three, because like I say, Jaws is, you know, one of those movies that's been talked about countlessly, you know, th- across from over the years and everything across all types of medias and everything. So it wouldn't make sense for me to, you know, talk about it like that or anything like that, but definitely look forward to hearing my thoughts on, um, Jaws 2. Because I do have a lot to say about that movie and some particular scenes and things of that nature. But uh, that would be for episode 126. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. And of course, you can check me out on Twitter at JMovieTalk. Um, and of course, all of the episodes are available on TV's own podcast um, on our host site, um, Podbean.com, and as well as wherever else you listen to your podcast. And everything like that just type in tv zone podcast network and you'll find all of uh movie talk uh the frodo podcast all the tv zone tv uh coverages that we're doing um as well as the grand slam podcast and every now and then we throw in a, a tv zone podcast movie 
uh, or whatnot. So you definitely look forward to those, which is a rarity and everything like that. So I want to thank you guys once again for listening. And I will be back for episode 126 as I continue my Jaws recap as I talk about Jaws 2. Peace.